With the NBA season just a month and a half away, it's time to think about free agency, this sort of reduced free agency period in which teams who, you know, three months ago were not looking at even finishing the 2020 season now have to think about trying to win a chip against LeBron next season, whether they're going to rebuild, whether they're going to tank. It's a whole complicated process that has been sort of squeezed into a month, a month and a half. And the Toronto Raptors are no different. This is arguably their toughest free agency in years in terms of the decisions they have to make. And while we won't see a move as ballsy as the Kawhi move, uh, it's definitely some some tricky analysis that the front office, Masai Ujiri and the gang will need to do. Um, to join me in analysing not only Toronto, but the rest of the free agents around the league and the off-season moves. Uh, we'll do a separate episode for the draft, of course. Uh, but joining me discussing off-season, Varel, welcome back. It's been a while. Yeah, man. I mean, you kind of hit the nail on the head. The free agency hasn't even started now. This is something normally teams would have been doing two, three, four months ago. So um, it's still unclear at the moment when exactly it's going to start. I know we, we are well aware of when the draft is happening. Um but in terms of free agency, uh, there were a lot of questions regarding uh, salary cap and what would happen to that because, of course, the NBA is going to have reduced revenues for the next season. So um, teams were apprehensive about the potential for uh, the cap to, say, be lowered. Uh, and for teams such as Golden State, who have uh, currently the highest salary in the league, who are, are kind of well within the current luxury cap anyway, uh, the prospect of this salary, the normal salary cap for teams being lowered next season was kind of horrifying. Um, so uh, kind of an interesting compromise has actually been reached in regards to that. I'll basically start with the episode because the NBA decided to actually keep the normal salary cap flat for next season. So as opposed to say dropping it by like five to 10 million due to reduced revenues, they thought, uh, it would basically mess up, mess with uh, the construction of teams too much. And uh, in order to kind of balance the uh, artificially increased cap for next year, in the years proceeding next year, uh, the increases in salary aren't going to be as much. Uh, and yeah, this way, uh, it's not going to impact the bottom line of the NBA or its teams or, and its owners too much. So, um, yeah, that was one really interesting development for me to see what would happen with that. And um, I guess we can kind of get right into discussing uh, Toronto and what options they have this offseason. Yeah, no, that's an interesting financial move, of course. Um, Toronto, I guess, let's go right through... But let's start with uh, their full roster in terms of uh, guaranteed salaries for next season. So, of course, we're going to have... Kyle Lowry on the books. He's the highest earner, 31.5 million. Pascal Siakam, 27 million. Norman Powell, almost 11 million. Patrick McCaw with 4 million. And OG Ananobi, uh, almost 4 million. They also have Stanley Johnson, who has a player option. Uh, he can exercise another year at 3.8 million. Um, and that's, that's who we've got guaranteed on the Raptors roster next season. So it's pretty thin without free agents, of course. The biggest decision the Raptors will have to make is between Mark 
Gasol and Serge Ibaka. Many questioned whether it was right for the Raptors to extend Gasol last season for another year. He's now an unrestricted free agent, of course. And his performances, especially in the playoffs, justified a lot of those criticisms. This season, um, though, the Raptors have a straight choice. Do they go ahead with Ibaka and Gasol? Because salary-wise, they cannot handle both. Uh, we did actually, reporting in the six on our Twitter account, we did an exclusive poll on this uh, a few weeks ago, and 100% of listeners voted to keep Serge Ibaka. Um, so that kind of, that kind of, that kind of shows um, the appetite of Toronto fans, at least. It does bring into play whether the Raptors need a backup centre then, right? They're one of the teams in the league with the strongest, uh, you know, the the man at the five, the strongest uh, rotation in terms of they've got two starting calibre centres and you get rid of one of them and your backup suddenly Chris Boucher who's going to play 15 minutes a game, which is quite patchy. But we're looking that when we look at free agents. You've got, of course, in the in the um, backcourt, you've got Fred Van Vliet. Now, he'll have a lot of offers from other teams. Uh, we saw yeah. a lot of interest in him throughout the season. But I think, you know, Toronto developed him, Toronto built him. And if they want him back, it'll be tough for any other team to sort of even max, max, uh, match, sorry, his max contract. So I think the desire is there from Van Vliet to remain. So that's just... Uh, that's just an agreement whether Messiah wants him really and I think appetite wise again it would be an odd move to get rid of him especially considering Lowry's age and the lack of other options um, and then you've got three more sort of bit part players you've got Rande Hollis Jefferson who of course had a reasonably solid uh, opening season nothing spectacular but at his salary it's good enough you have Chris Boucher who will come into discussion uh, when we discuss big men and Malcolm Miller who again solid enough but is he worth re-signing especially if you want to land at 2021 free agent well just off the bat um do you agree with listeners about Ibaka over the soul um well I think we kind of need to put Toronto's free agency in the context of why we're having discussions about Ibaka versus Gasol whether to sign Van Vliet because it's about really the impending free agency class in 2021 and um, for a lot of Toronto fans for a lot of Toronto media it's 2021 is essentially the Yanis sweepstakes basically whichever team positions itself uh, to make themselves the most attractive proposition for Yanis to go to in that free agency and so when we're thinking about who we're going to re-sign this season uh, a discussions around uh, Ibaka for example are that uh, we should sign Ibaka for a one year deal but the issue with that is of course uh, players generally uh, want higher salaries for one year contracts due to uh, you know if you're just an average player uh, you'd want like a three four year contract of course because um, in case you get injured for example so for, for these one year deals you essentially have to pay premium and so when we're looking at Toronto, when you've got this uh, team for one more year, um, are we thinking, right, we basically re-sign everyone and go for like one last like potential run this year? Potentially, because a lot of those, um, we don't really have to re-sign uh, the likes of Rondé Hollis-Jefferson. So we'd still be 
under the cap oh sorry significantly under the cap if we sign everyone to one-year deals next year right but somebody like Ibaka are we looking to then sign him for a multiple year deal but then if we do that are we basically saying uh, OG Ananobi we kind of don't want him as, as a future piece because um, you probably agree with me here Kamel like um, if, if Yanis was in part of the question I think Toronto would almost certainly extend him for like maybe 10 to 15 million with just how he's kind of progressing and developing as a player but with Yanis on the horizon, some of the questions we have to ask is not only, okay, how long are we going to sign these guys for? So players like Serge Kibak or players like Fred Van Vliet, but for how much? Because um, there, I've read an article with some quite precise financial calculations. And for example, when re-signing Van Vliet, ideally Toronto would need to sign him for around the $20 million mark. And if they were to actually sign him for the $25 million range, which you know, some teams might actually be willing to offer him uh, on a multiple year deal, deal. Teams like the New York Knicks who just throw money at free agents. Um, then that's going to be really problematic for a Yanis signing in the 2021 offseason. Uh, so these are all the different things you have to think about. Um, me personally, I'd actually, I'd actually look at somebody like Siakam and say, I, hmm. Kind of are, you, say are you contemplating shipping Siak? Uh, yeah. Because... I mean, it's 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 not. I, I don't think that's the best thing to judge after. You know, I know it was a poor off season, but you know, the the off season before he was probably almost Finals MVP just behind Kawhi. So <laughs> I'm not sure that's the. Well, the I know you want to build the franchise. A question here, though, Camille. See if Toronto are actually in line to get Giannis in 2021, then. Surely you can't see a team whereby those two can be like the two two star players because they just play very very similar basketball. They're both excellent on the fast break. Um, you know they're sub like Yanis more so than uh, Siakam, but they're capable of bullying um, on the inside and um, they have both got great defensive strengths and length, but they both don't really have a competent outside shot. So you basically got two styles that are very similar. I'd say Siakam during the season, I said he's kind of like Yanis uh, 1B in terms of his play style. So I don't see an ecosystem where both of them uh, can shine as like dual stars. I don't know if you disagree with that. Right, but um, I mean, I think I disagree with the premise that uh, the Raptors should go for Yanis altogether next season. I mean, they came to I mean they came they won their first championship not through recruiting uh you know well okay they recruited one superstar but otherwise you know they didn't they didn't have a massive a huge year long plan of action right they what Masai did is he pretty much adapted to the situation as he saw it right Kawhi being unhappy he leapt on that made a risky move and then went for it but because he had that base of young players like Siakam and OG and Van Vliet and everything uh, it worked. I mean, I think sacrificing Siakam, who should, who is good enough to be a franchise player, for another player, another so-called franchise player. I mean, I just don't know if it makes that much sense. You, you seem to be taking one step back to go forward rather than building on what you have. Um, you know, and you, you look at the free agents even this year and next year, apart from Giannis. 
I think the Raptors can build a very competitive squad without going for the Greek, to be honest. Um, so I might disagree with the whole premise. Or both this year and next year. Yes, yes. Um, I mean, we'll move on to free agents um, soon enough, who, who the Raptors can add rather than who they have to get rid of. But I think just, um, just, just to look at the Raptors roster as a whole, I see them this season getting rid of Gasol, probably getting rid of Malcolm Miller, Hollis Jefferson. Uh, yep. If we look at really the team, great. sorry, they, they, the Raptors, we forgot to mention, they have team options on um, Terrence Davis, Matt Thomas and Dewan Hernandez. It's likely they're going to sign Davis and Thomas back. They're two good bench pieces. Um, you know, so it's a, it's a roster there. And uh, I don't think that much needs to change in terms of, okay, there's a significant loss of, significant loss of Gasol. I think Van Vliet is worth signing to the max. Again, he's a player that to the max. Has, uh, yeah, well, if he if he need, if he wants it, if he wants it. No, 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 no. Overpaid, in my opinion. Okay, I mean, to the with, max. With what he's shown so far, he hasn't had um, say three, four years of just consistent high-level production yet. He's not even an all-star yet, so that's true. Um, and I mean, to be fair, the Raptors do have a lot of uh, bargaining power in that you are right the teams that are going to offer him maxes are going to be teams like the Knicks right and it's not and Van Vliet at the end of the day do, does have the choice and he would rather be overpaid at the Knicks or get a fair salary at uh, a functional front a functional front office essentially that's the sort of question they're dealing with there but so yeah, yeah. If, if you can get a good deal for Van Vliet then you know it's, you can sort of maintain very similar rosters um, and I think it's good then we look at who the Raptors can add you know there's not okay there's not much money to add but if we look through a list of potential free agents the best 2020 free agents we're looking at Bertans of the Washington Wizards three point killer Harrell a player who I adore a fantastic player maybe not one that will fit very well into Toronto but a great player in itself uh, Christian Wood again who's ripping up in Detroit um, in terms of veterans you have the likes of Dragic and Rondo Jeremy Grant, Caldwell Pope, uh, Millsap, Tristan Thompson, Derek Favors, Marcus Morris. Uh, you know, you have a lot of the, even Jay Crowder. So you have quite a lot of uh, decent free agents who the Raptors potentially could tempt because you, you you figure, right, based on the playoffs, that they need one more piece, whether it's a great defender, a dimer, a good three-point shooter. They need one more piece to, you know, step it up and actually be at that Eastern Conference Finals slash NBA Finals level. And I think if you lose, <coughs> lose Gasol and get one of these guys, um, you know, it's, uh, it's more than enough, especially if you look at the continued development of OG, Van Vliet, Powell, etc. Um, is, is there anyone who sticks out for you? Um, I kind of disagree with the premise of what you said. Okay. Um, in terms of, I don't think if we were, say, to add like a solid uh, outside shooter or solid backup centre, then that would suddenly put Toronto over the top. I'm a big believer in, of course, uh, roster construction is very important to have those bench pieces to, uh, you know, uh, elevate that, the team to the next level. But I think championships are primarily, most championships at least, are primarily won with the star players. And I just don't think, uh, even with, let's say, if Van Vliet were to progress and continue progressing the way that he is, and say Siakam, even we see an upward trajectory with him, I just don't see those two as being star players uh, being capable of winning a championship against the likes of let's not forget against the likes of um, a Brooklyn Nets in the East next year uh, with 
uh, Durant and Kyrie will talk about possible um, trades and free agency signings for that team. But um, that against that kind of team, against Kawhi and Paul George, against LeBron and Anthony Davis. Um, and so, yeah, we can still discuss free agency signings that make sense for them. I mean, when we talk about a backup centre, um, I think somebody like Christian Wood, I think he's too much of a risk. We didn't see enough game from him, although he was spectacular in the games that he did play. Um, I'd say somebody like Merlin's Noel, I think would be really good as a backup centre. I don't know um, if that would work salary-wise, but um, if they were able to get him on a one or two year deal, um, he's, he was great for the OKC last year. Um, and he has been for two, three years for them. Uh, 4.3 million. 4.3 million, yeah. Um, pretty good. That's that, That'll be... that'll be. Well, no, but that'll definitely go up. As in, he'll probably... Oh, as a free agent, yeah. yeah. He'll probably yeah, attract right. around 10 million, I imagine. Um, I mean, he's averaging 13 points, 10 rebounds, two steals, three blocks uh, per 36 minutes last year. So he had a ridiculous season last year. Um, some of the other names you threw out, the Morris Twins, definitely. I think... One that I'd really like to see is uh, Avery Bradley, because mm. um, although he's got a player option, a $5 million player option, he'll, he's still 29 years old, despite it seems he's been in the league for God knows how long. He was on those Boston teams way back when. Um, but if uh, Toronto would sign him for, say, $15 million for one season, um, I think that could be a sweet pretty sweet deal for them so yeah those are the ones I'm basically looking up at the moment yeah fair enough I mean it's difficult I mean is that if there's if there's one guy you're going to sign who's it going to be just to just to just to sort of wrap this off or is it too complicated to uh, too many choices to sort of too many that? choices yeah fair I enough fair enough no I mean I would probably I mean, agree with you to yeah. answer that question in terms of out of all possible free agents is Fred Van Vliet but of course he's already uh, with the team okay um, I'm just going to throw a wild card in there and say Jakob Purdle. Uh, his long-awaited return to Toronto after a couple of years yeah. learning under the tutelage of um, Greg Popovich. Uh, that, it'll, be, it'll be an interesting move anyway. Um, one, one interesting thing actually is um, it's, it's obviously free agency is very complicated. You know, there's all these different terms, cap hold, um, bird rights, everything that, so, you know, the average NBA fan might not pay too much attention to, which, but it's quite important. Um, the, the Athletic have been doing quite a, a deep analysis on Raptors in particular. Um, there is a way that the Raptors can retain Fred Van Vliet, sign a max player next summer, such as Giannis, and still have Carl Lowry retire as a Raptor. But it requires um, renouncing Lowry's rights next season. Uh, so it'll be a difficult one. And then, re- and then having a, almost a verbal deal to sign him at a lower contract, which, you know, he wants to retire as a Raptor, but who knows if the threat accept that. So, yeah, I mean, uh, the, the the big question is, even if you get rid of Gasol, having space to sign Van Vliet, sign maybe Giannis, it will require sacrifice elsewhere. Uh, could be Siakam, could be could be anywhere else. Uh, but we'll, we'll definitely touch more on this uh, as time goes on. Of course, the Raptors have not signed anyone right now. They've not decided on anything right now. This is just our sort of... Um, flat cap analysis of the situation so far and with that 
I think we can move on to the rest of the league. Varal, you've noticed a few interesting trends, a few interesting options for different teams in the league. The 2020 free agent class, of course, not the strongest, especially when compared to next season. Still got a few good options, though, as we've already discussed. Um, what are you looking at for... Is it, I mean, there's only a few teams with a lot of cap space, but what, are you, what kind of moves are you looking forward to or do you anticipate or do you recommend? Uh, in terms of free agency... Um, I think first and foremost, you have a team like the Rockets who don't have a lot of cap space, but we saw that their experiment playing without um, a centre, I wouldn't even say playing without a centre, they almost didn't even have a power forward. (laughs) Their starting five didn't have anyone over like 6'6", I think. So just to add some length into that team, I mean, we talked about um, Christian Wood, we talked about Nerland's Noel. One that's been suggested in an article I read was... um, Jeremy Grant for the Nuggets, who had an excellent season with the Nuggets with his outside shooting as well. Um, so he adds that full spacing that that team so craves. Uh, that team could even go for somebody like Aaron Baines, who had probably his best season ever coming yeah. off the bench from the team last year, shooting uh, 35% from three. But I think at the start of the season, he was shooting something ridiculous. It was definitely over 40%. Um, but yeah, those are all very reasonable options for that Rockets team. Uh, in terms of just the general free agents that are available, um, the Morris twins. See, um, Marcus Morris actually had a really, really solid season and playoffs for that Clippers team. Uh, we talked about how that team didn't appear to have the necessary team chemistry, etc., etc. But I still think somebody like Marcus Morris and even, of course, Marquise Morris, they could still have really important roles to play for uh, championship contending teams so they'll be looked at by I think most of those top teams Um, then you have somebody like Rajon Rondo who I would actually love for the Lakers to be able to keep him or to choose to keep him but uh, from a lot of what I've read it seems as if uh, Rondo's uh, I'm not sure if if this comes from him but a lot of articles are just basically suggesting a load of different possible destinations for Rondo, which uh, we saw how important he was as that uh, secondary playmaker when LeBron went off the floor. Um, how important he was in the playoffs where, where he always step, seems to step his game up. So um, I'd like for him to stay in uh, Los Angeles for the Lakers' sake, but um, it, it seems as if uh, he might be going to a variety of teams. One that's been suggested is that he goes to Memphis Grizzlies where he can kind of, um, well, Yarm Rank can kind of play under his tutelage uh, for one or two years. Um, so yeah, I, I don't really know if that's true. I don't know if John is going to go to different teams, but I hope it doesn't. Enough. And in terms of, uh, you've spoken about free agency, in terms of actual um, re-signing, for example, uh, you see current any high-profile free agents uh, either holding their teams to, holding their teams hostage, uh, you know, or do you see particular players with player options, maybe the likes of DeRozan, Gordon Hayward, Evan Fournier, Drummond maybe, do you see them moving on anywhere or do you see them just uh, taking the cash, especially people like Drummond and uh, DeRozan? Nah, see, um, very good point. I'd say uh, out of everyone, Gordon Hayward is probably the most inclined uh, to take that cash. 34.2 million. Oh, yeah. 
it's, it's ridiculous. And um, I'm, it's, I'm interested in the fact that you put DeRozan in that list because um, one thing that I think uh, the Spurs are looking to do really is to start anew. And LaMarcus has been involved in so many different possible trades for that team. And um, looking to essentially bring in younger talent, um, basically starting as a fresh rebuild for that team, which I think is the right way to go. I just, especially with those two, they both got very similar skill sets. And um, maybe the way to go for that team would actually be to keep one and to let another go. And so uh, when you've got somebody on a player option versus somebody who's going to have a higher trade value in the market just because of the fact that he's not a potential free agent this summer. And maybe that's, they'll look to, you know, um, retain uh, DeRozan on his player option. But one thing that I saw suggested was that DeRozan actually declines his player option uh, and decides to go to Miami Heat, who of course have got a ridiculous amount of cap space this summer. Um, I mean, listen to the starting five, Camille. You have uh, Jimmy Butler, Tyler Harrow, DeRozan, Duncan Robinson, and Bam Adebayo. So with essentially Jimmy running the point guard position. Yeah. That That is easily the best team in the East next year, or the best starting five uh, in the East next year. So um, I don't know. I'm, I'm not sure if that, if that will definitely work. Of course not, but... This Miami Heat team was one of the best outside shooting teams in the league. And so DeRozan's uh, deficiency in that area, I don't think it should hamper them massively. No, it could add. It could add. You know, um, obviously having that inside scorer, it can deliver from mid-range. You know, you don't always need five out. You can sometimes... It's true, but they do have that. They do have that in Jimmy Bartmer. And so the question is, who is going to be closing out games? I imagine it'd probably be Jimmy Jimmy Bartmer with what we've seen from him in the past couple of years. Yep, fair enough. Well, uh, just as we end, is there any anything, any sort of more high-profile, either rejections uh, by t- team op- rejection by team options, player options, uh, or high-profile uh, signings? Or do you think any player maybe will take a risk by rejecting that player option and trying to go for something? You've mentioned DeRozan, but of course that would be on account of a verbal agreement with the Heat or whoever. But maybe could could you see Dr- someone like Drummond? I know he's. It's been said he has attitude problems in terms of, yeah, he's just taking the 28.8 million and he doesn't care that he's in the worst team in the East and probably in the league. Um, But I mean, would someone like him ever just say, okay, you know, I've identified a team that needs rebounding. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to decline 30 million and just go go for them. You know, I wouldn't mind him on the Raptors personally, but that's a sort of different option. Um, Only if... There's a, I think for, for a player in that situation, only if there's a realistic chance of actually contending, why else would you end up sacrificing that amount, knowing that in free agency, you'd likely get less than that. Um, and so I actually have a question for you. This is about more Please. so possible trades for teams. Yes. Um, so Drew Holiday is being- Oh yeah, that's sorry. That is something I love to bring up, yeah. He has been part of loads of different trade packages for different teams. Probably the one that most interested me. Firstly, I wanted to ask your opinion as to, you know, why do you think they're making that decision? Of course, um, maybe it is because, you know, he's on the older side and they just want to keep a young core. Um, And so he doesn't really fit that timeline. I understand that. But firstly, I want to ask you if you still think, uh, despite, you know, that timeline argument, whether that is a good idea to use them as part of a trade package. And two, 
the most interesting trade that I did see involved the Brooklyn Nets, oh. and it was to um, trade Karis Levert with another piece, um, maybe like a draft pick, in order to get Drew Holiday. Both Karis Levert and Spencer Dinwiddie have been part of a lot of prospective trades for that Brooklyn team. Um, you don't really need a player like Karis Levert when you have somebody like Kyrie, uh, in my opinion. So, uh, and it will add to the perimeter defense that that Brooklyn team will need next year. So, yeah, the answer to those two questions. So, one, do you actually think that it's a good idea for the Pelicans to um, let him go? Uh, and two, do you think that Brooklyn trade, does that intrigue you? Do you think that's actually something that's uh, realistically going to go down? And do you actually think that's something that the Nets need? Do you, do you think they need a quote-unquote third star for that team? Well, obviously, Pelicans, uh, if you're going to look at trade, you're not only going to look at his age, but you're also going to look at his salary, right? I mean, you've got a young core, but you've got an older player on 26 million. When, in terms of the actual timeline, if the Pelicans want to seriously compete in, for example, two years, trading for a younger star now and having that cap space for the strong 2021 free agency uh, window could be extremely useful to them. Uh, in terms of where he's going to go, I mean, there. I mean, the rumours have just been off the scale, right? You've already mentioned Brooklyn. Uh, we've also seen online, you can see Miami, you can see Denver going for him, you can see the Suns going for him. Yeah, uh, but the yep, the pace as well. Interestingly, the um, Suns, the Pelican debrief, sort of suggested they would trade him for Devin Booker, which would be... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, that would make oh, the Pelicans unstoppable. But... I mean, and the oh Warriors as well. We could see the Warriors, uh, according to Hoops Habit. But, you know, there's a lot of teams. I mean, because he's a cracking player, um, I floated this idea amongst some Raptor supporting friends of mine. All rejected. I mean, I, I, I don't know. They call him washed up. They call him not part of the timeline. I, I, I just think he's fantastic. But um, there's a lot of teams yeah, well, that I mean, could use him. Did you see there was um, J.D. Reddick's podcast where uh, Durant called him the best perimeter defender in the league. I mean, really? and I, I don't know if I disagree with that. I mean, he's... he's you watch him. He's, he passes and the he's never time. imagined, like, for... It's only during the last, like, couple of months where people kind of talked about him in that regard. Before that, people ne- didn't talk about how truly great he was on defense. It's like, yeah, he's a good defender. And suddenly when Durant goes right, he's literally the best defender <laughs> I've gone up against. And this is somebody... Durant has got, like, what? Six, seven inches over... It shows the round has been defended by the likes of Kawhi, by the likes of LeBron. So, I mean, that's a testament to his defense. So, yeah, I mean, Drew, he is a great ball handler. He is a great defender. Uh, maybe not the best shooter for a point guard, but yeah, he can add a lot to any team. And I think for Brooklyn, um, given the fact that you've got both those guys coming with injuries as well, uh, they might need a third player. Um, especially in the first like 20 games when they're trying to gel in terms of team chemistry as well. Yeah. They might need a quote-unquote star player to kind of um, mesh everything together at the start of the season. Yeah, essentially, there is there is a few teams that need a veteran combo guard uh, yeah. and that are, content, are looking to contend within the next two years at the same time. I think it's sensible from the Pelicans. I mean, you look at uh, Lonzo, uh, Hart, sort of Ingram, uh, Zion, of course, and uh, you see, you don't really need... I mean, the veteran presence is very important, but in terms of actually actual results on the court, uh, shipping holiday might be a good idea, depending on the return they can get. 
uh, in the end. But yeah, he'll definitely be the most high-profile trade if it does go through in the end. Uh, I doubt we'll see any <laughs> anything bigger than that because this is yeah, such, yeah, such yeah, a short Some of these season. other trades are ridiculous. Uh, some of these other proposed trades like shipping off Tyler Hero, like shit, that's just never, ever going to happen. The only other one uh, we won't discuss just because we kind of overrun a bit, but um, uh, Rudy Gobert shipping Ooh. him out from Utah. What um, means he in for him? Um, so what teams have I seen? I've seen the Atlanta Hawks. So getting uh, players like Clint Capella in return. Interesting. But um, yeah, for, for the, uh, go, uh, go Bears, it's the fact that he's eligible for an extension and basically Utah probably thinking to themselves, this guy is not worth max extension money. Um, and I don't think he is, like, despite how good it, he is at what he does, if he is one of your max players alongside um, uh, having a brain fart now, the shooting guard, let's call him Donovan Mitchell, I, I just don't see, again, those two winning a championship. And I, this is something I said before the playoffs, going into the playoffs with that team, I said, surely there's going to be friction because you have Rudy Gobert bloody making coronavirus strokes, con- then contracting coronavirus, and then passing it essentially to the whole NBA, but um, mainly to Donovan Mitchell. I thought there's surely there's got got to be some team chemistry issues inside. It seemed it seemed to be reasonably um, rejuvenated afterwards. I mean, there wasn't too much. I'm sure they sorted yeah, it out. Yeah, there wasn't. Off court, people ask themselves, does that factor into their decision as well? Do they, do they look at that and say, right, like after all that, the buckle as well? Like, is this guy worth it? And I think uh, from all the rumours we're hearing, they're probably thinking to, the, to themselves, probably not. Yeah, fair enough. Well, Varel, this has been a fascinating discussion. As I sort of said in the middle, you know, free agency is so complicated and it's quite hard to uh, squeeze into whether it's half an hour or an hour or even a two-hour podcast. It's quite hard to go through all the ins and outs. But I think we've um, we've sort of dealt with uh, the Raptors' potential roster for next season and I think for the interest of continuity, losing Gasol and maybe picking up someone like, uh, you know, uh, wh- whoever the two the two of us mentioned, uh, the litany of players the two of us mentioned, uh, getting rid of Malcolm Miller, maybe Dewan Hernandez as well, but maintaining one, everyone else, and hopefully Van Vliet doesn't uh, hold the Raptors hostage. Uh, in terms of other trades, uh, you know, as you said, uh, Drew Holiday is likely to be the biggest the biggest one um, because this off season, it's almost thankful this off season has been short, and hopefully next off season, virus permitting. Uh, teams will get a few months to decide because there's a lot of uh, fantastic free agents coming in 2021. Uh, Varel, thanks for joining us. We're going to be back, I think, um, either just before or just after the NBA draft. Because the Raptors, of course, have the 29th and the 59th pick and historically, they haven't done too badly with either of them. Mm. We've seen with the likes of Norman Powell. Uh, was an OG as an OG as well. was 23rd pick, I believe. So, yeah. uh, you know, yeah. you can pick up a few useful pieces there and uh, you might not need... Yanis next season after all bro thanks very much uh, for joining us we'll see you next time catch you next week